0: To the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because, unlike most, we're not going to fo- focus on all those new shiny, shiny things for you to buy. Instead, we focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and a happier relationship with electronics, and our monthly community repair events here in London, called Restart Parties, are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter. I'm the co-founder of the Restart Project, and I'm joined by James Diamond, co-founder or Hackney Fix of the Hackney Fixers, a group in Hackney that runs restart parties and much more. Hi James.
1: Hi Janet, I'm (laughs) delighted to be here.
0: Yeah and it's great to have you here. You just um, did another one of your big fix events in Hackney.
1: Yeah we had one a couple of weeks ago in uh, the library in Stoke Newington and we had bicycle repair, we had uh, furniture repair, we had electronics of course, a restart party and we had clothing repair so it was a great event. We had a hundred people come.
0: Yes, excellent. I remember the last one, um, the, well, the first one was it was really big also in Dalston, and at that one you were doing some mapping.
1: Yeah, that was uh, an idea we had to try and map uh, repair places in Hackney, and um, a lot of people made contributions. We ended up with about 40 places in the borough, which we put onto uh, a Google map, which is on our, our website. And, um, yeah, that was just a first attempt uh, yeah. to... St- see if we could link up with uh, the commercial repair sector.
0: And that's something uh, that we've always uh, been aiming (coughs) to do and to do more of uh, as the Mm -hmm. Restart Project because we see ourselves somewhat filling a gap but also stimulating demand uh, for existing commercial repair businesses. And that's what you're here to talk to us about, James, um, about the health of our ailing repair economy and what you're learning from some research you're doing with us on East London's repair economy. So tell us a little bit about the research you're undertaking.
1: Okay, so um, we're working with the East London Waste Authority, which is four uh, East London boroughs. That's uh, Newham, Redbridge, Barking and Dagenham and Havering. And um, part of that project is to come up with a list of reliable repair businesses in the area that people could go to and have some confidence that they would do a decent job. Okay, that sounds like a big job. (laughs) It's it's turned out to be bigger than I expected. Um, We started off doing, like, online research, um, and we came up with about 80 businesses in the area. Um, And then just uh, to test the water, really, we kind of thought, well, we'll go and walk around one of the town centres and see if we can pick up other businesses that we didn't discover the online way.
0: Excellent. And these businesses, um, can you tell us what they fix? So they fix anything with a battery or a plug?
1: Exactly. So it covers the whole spectrum from domestic appliances through to smartphones and everything in between.
0: Okay. And so you said that basically that you started online and then you went um, on foot into the the streets. Yeah, we (laughs) went
1: into the streets to see what we could find. And it turns out that there are a lot more businesses out there than you can discover online. In fact, maybe twice as many... Um, And so we've now got uh, a pool of about 160 businesses in the borough, in in the four boroughs, that we're working our way through in terms of assessing whether they meet our criteria.
0: Okay, excellent. And um, yeah, that's quite interesting. It seems to somewhat... um Uh, chime with my own personal experience just walking Mm -hmm. around South London is Mm -hmm. that um, we have loads of kind of kiosks and quite small businesses like in little small nooks and crannies or inside of other businesses Um, and when I you know ask hey do you have a Facebook page or hey Mm -hmm. website and they just kind of nah I mean we have we we get all the business we need through word of mouth referrals which is interesting That's Um, the way
1: those guys work. I mean, they don't have a website. They don't even have a trading name. They don't have a phone number. They probably don't even issue receipts. You know, it's kind of... A little bit of a black economy. I I'm not sure if that's the right word for it, but it's yeah. uh, it, they, these guys popping up all over the place. But
0: they're serving loads of people. That's what exactly. I see. They get loads yeah. of footfall, and people depend on them for other things like accessories. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. so they, they. Some of these businesses, that, while they may seem small and off the radar, they, they seem to be serving quite a few people as well. They do, mm-hmm. and
1: I guess if they didn't get the word of mouth, you know, they wouldn't get the business. So, um, you know, they must be doing some mm-hmm. service. I mean. Um, we hear about people who swear by the the market traders in um, Romford market you know on a saturday who uh, who will offer a repair service um, and that that's, that's how they'll get their their screen replaced or whatever yeah. um, but you won't find those businesses uh, online, or you won't find a they won't they won't have a website. You'll you'll only discover them by being told about them by somebody locally.
0: Yeah, it's interesting for me because I wonder like whether the there's almost there's almost two customer bases that are also existing separately. Mm-hmm. Is it that mm-hmm. there are some people that will immediately look online for help, and then there's some people who just will always look for a word-of-mouth, brick-and-mortar business, kind of?
1: I think most people will rely on personal recommendations. You know, I mean, I would hesitate to walk into most of the places that I have discovered uh, unless I had a personal recommendation or a good feeling about that business.
0: Yeah, and I so. think, I mean, the, a lot of, most of the online uh, uh, marketing really revolves around, you know, testimonials mm-hmm. and uh, ratings mm-hmm. and that kind of mm-hmm. thing as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so actually that's that's one of the first criteria that you were kind of researching, looking into. So how many of these businesses have um, ratings or testimonials? Now, I suppose the ones that don't have any online presence, could they have other forms of that? Could they have, let's say, a testimonial in the window? Or, you know, (laughs) I I don't don't know.
1: so, a lot of businesses have Google reviews, even if they don't have an online presence, or they may be listed in a business directory like Yelp, and people can rate them oh, in the business directory. So, mm-hmm. there are sources of um, reviews for businesses that don't have a, a, their own website. Um, but out of the hundred or so businesses that we've we've assessed um, so far, only thirty five of those actually have independent reviews that are good enough that we would recommend that business that's
0: interesting wow so So less than
1: about mm -hmm. a third Wow. Um, 10 of those 100 businesses have poor reviews that would mean that we would not want to recommend them because people would just kind of say you guys are recommending them Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) so it
1: would it would reflect (laughs) on us and the rest have either no or not enough independent reviews for us to really kind of get any feeling that, that they're credible. So, okay. um, yeah, it's 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 interesting how perhaps little that businesses kind of feel they need to work on that aspect of their marketing. Uh, maybe they just rely on the footfall of, you know, passing trade or word of mouth, and they don't feel the need to, to uh, you know, establish their reputation in that way.
0: Okay, yeah. <clears throat> and the next criteria we're looking at is uh, somewhat also potentially dependent on either the web or some form of marketing where mm-hmm. a business uh introduces or presents themselves in a way to mm-hmm. the, to the public and you were you were saying even even really interestingly that some businesses don't even really appear to have names <laughs> like,
1: well i mean that's this is a lot of these pop-up kiosks that you're talking okay. about. You know, like there'll be uh, a dress shop in, in in Upton Park, you know, an Indian dress shop with a, a pop-up mobile phone store in the front window, you know, uh, or a solicitor with a bit of spare window space who is renting that out to some somebody who's offering accessories and and repairing phones. You know, these businesses don't have their own trading name. They're kind of in the window of such and such another business. Um, But for our
0: purposes for this research, we're going to kind of set them aside? We've set those aside
1: because we, we don't think that, you know, I don't know, you know, you're probably not going to get any comeback on that business if something goes wrong because they yeah. <laughs> they can <Yeah>. just disappear. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, interesting. So, the, in terms of presenting their work, that mm-hmm. is seemingly on online is one of the only ways to do it. But interestingly, you were well, saying that Google also presents some businesses that aren't interested in even being online per se.
1: Google seems to troll the web. It seems mm-hmm. to use you know I don't know crawl Street View and and identify businesses whether or not they want to be listed and identify them so that's when you go to Google Maps you know you can find local businesses that way Um, and sometimes you know people will review those businesses on Google um, uh, (laughs) whether they've been asked by the business to put a review or whether they've had a bad experience and they felt they wanted to say something but you know those those businesses those reviews are out there and uh, they're a good source of information.
0: Good, so you'd say For most of the businesses that you you discovered, there there's some kind of web traces or some kind of way of verifying that they're real before you would go and look for them.
1: Um, No, I would say the minority of businesses Ah, have a web presence. You know that that's why we've gone out on the streets to look for them. What we're hoping to do, and we've completed this research, is find that in fact a lot of those um, businesses we found on the street do actually have reviews or online presence, but they're kind of not there on Google.
0: I see. Um, you I know, see. Google
1: didn't find them when it was trawling Street View um, for, for businesses in that area. So,
0: you know, we're, we're,
1: we'll see. We'll see what we get where we get to.
0: Okay. And um, one of the, I guess, one of the more important criteria we had was around a transparent pricing structure. So... This will be really interesting to hear. Um, we get, uh, well, we get a lot of people coming to our events uh, complaining that they didn't quite understand the price they were quoted. Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily trust that the repair would occur in a way they were hoping with a commercial mm-hmm. repair. Um, so this seems to be one of the most important um, criteria in some way Um,
1: it's a a tricky one and um, when you look at some of the comments that people have left um, about businesses you know a lot of the complaints are about pricing or you know they um, but um, maybe a similar number to the ones who have good reviews similar number to that have some kind of pricing information available you know they will quote a fixed price for a certain repair or they will have a no fix no fee policy okay you know so those kinds of that kind of information is out there. But um, businesses can interpret that in different ways. You know, some businesses, when they say no fix, they f- no fee, what they mean is if they offer you a price and you decide not to um, go ahead with the repair, they'll charge you a diagnostic fee. You know, and yeah. that's not always quite so transparent. So you probably yeah. need to check with the business exactly what they mean by that policy before you actually... Yeah.
0: And hand over your
1: device (laughs) yeah that's one of the
0: things we we did say is that some for some appliances and devices uh businesses won't survive unless they charge some kind of diagnostic or bench fee Mm -hmm. but that should be agreed in advance and understood in advance yeah
1: absolutely okay i mean a lot of them will waive that fee if you go ahead with the repair but uh you know some will even charge you that just to diagnose the problem for example with your tv you know it's quite typical to see a 40 pound 30 or 40 pound charge just to diagnose what's wrong with your tv before and that's on you know that would be refunded um if you went ahead with repair but yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah no it's funny though because i think oftentimes um we uh, when when we approach car repair And we, you know, we would never take um, we would never take our car to the garage and just say it's it's not working. Mm-hmm. Can you please fix it? Mm-hmm. You know, we we often um, somewhat treat our electronics like that. We kind of say, oh, it's failing. Ah, panic. Um, whereas, uh, and I obviously, I think that. You know, there's something that the user can do in advance. In mm-hmm. other words, to to know how repairable the device is, and that's a, sense, a good point. Yeah, and to be more aware of the trade offs in relation mm-hmm. to a diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the other services I suppose we provide at a Restart Party is we can just help people have a feeling for um, how repairable it is and what the costs might be. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think this is one of the interesting things we found um, doing this research was was actually the restart parties are filling a a huge gap because we didn't find businesses out there that are doing small kitchen appliances like, you know, mixers, radios, TVs, kettle, uh, sorry, uh, toasters, kettles, you know, side lights, those kinds of things that we get all the time at restart parties. You know, the services are just not out there for them. And also like just advice about how to fix a slow PC or something like that, you know. um, Those kind of just general advice. I mean, we had a um, a Kenwood chef, thirty-year-old uh, Kenwood chef, at the restart party the other week, and um, the motor was making a, a, a loud noise, and it got really hot and it's emitting smoke, and of course it had overheated. And uh, there's a little green button that you can push to reset the uh, the, the switch, and the thing is is going again. Wow! Um, and that, that, that mm-hmm. kind of a, that kind of basic advice. Um, is something that the restart parties can really, really do and fill that gap between, you know, DIY and and the commercial sector.
0: Yeah. Although interestingly, I think we did. Someone actually recommended on Twitter that there mm-hmm. is a business that refurbishes those uh-huh. um, those mixers. Okay. Um, so you know, there's. Yeah. It's all connected in some way. Yeah. Um, sometimes repair is just not an option, just because uh, not because of the cost, because mm-hmm. of time for other issues. So it's really important that people, you know, learn about the options, I suppose. Um, So, okay. so beyond the pricing structure and sometimes these diagnostic Mm -hmm. fees, which can be a bit of a barrier, um, I guess one of the other, you know, major trust uh, issues is, well, issuing receipts so that, you know, so we know that Mm -hmm. the business, as you say, is not fly by night (laughs) (laughs) and also um, some kind of guarantee on a repair. And um, this is an interesting one. How much, how much of that are you seeing in the businesses that you've okay, come across? Okay,
1: so out of the 100 businesses we've re- reviewed so far, and we've still got about 60 more to go, but about the hundred, first 100 businesses, about 30, just over 30, are offering a warranty of some kind, and that will vary between, like, 90 days to up to a year. Um, but we, we think that that's a very important criteria, that uh, you know any repairer who's got confidence in the quality of their work should be a- able to offer... A warranty, so we would question, you know, the businesses that don't offer that, you know, whether they have the skills or whether they have the confidence in the work they're doing that um, they, you know, they, they should be doing that.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that there should be some, some, uh, some guarantee, and it could be yeah. short, but some yeah, kind yeah. of guarantee.
1: So where we are, um, I mentioned we have thirty-five businesses with, you know, good independent reviews, thirty-two that are offering a warranty, but only fourteen which are offering both so you know there's a big gap uh, in terms of you know the way these businesses presenting themselves that out of the hundred businesses we can only find 14 that uh, have good reviews and uh, offer a warranty so uh, one of the things we're planning to do uh, to close off this research is actually go back to the businesses that are not saying anything about whether they offer a warranty and just check in with them you know what you know what, what their policy is on that because mm-hmm. maybe they're just not saying that publicly but they do actually offer mm-hmm. that when when it comes to it. So
0: you know that that
1: that could bring up the number of businesses that we are able to recommend at the end of the process. <laughs>
0: So you're listening to uh, Resonance 104.4 FM and Restart Radio. And we're talking about the commercial repair economy, um, mostly in East London, but it's a conversation that might apply to different parts of London and perhaps around the UK. And we were talking about, uh, just before the break, about uh, pricing structures uh, for repair. And this you know, really flagged, uh, for me, a story that came up recently, uh, which was extremely viral – for us anyway, on our channels and also on the Guardian website itself. It's a story about how Sweden is proposing to give tax breaks for repairs by cutting VAT, Um, and their uh, VAT on bicycle repairs, clothes and shoes, and then also providing uh, tax refunds for appliance repairs.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: It's a really fascinating uh, proposal, and I guess, well, you know, Tax is one of those issues that is supposed to be horrendously boring, but actually reveals so much about the way that society is designed and what our priorities are. And this is a perfect illustration of that, I think. And um, what's your take on it, James?
1: Well, um, I mean, the, the the VAT would be great. I mean, say twenty uh, the twenty five percent down to twelve percent. That's uh, you know potentially a thirteen percent saving on repairs. But then you know you think. How many small shops are maybe not even vat registered, so the vat isn't maybe such a factor um but it's certainly well worth having and it'll be really interesting to see if they accept that proposal how that plays out um i mean we 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 know about some disparities in v a t in this country you know in the construction industry, for example, there's zero vat vat on new build. And, um, you know, full VAT rate, 20% VAT on on, re- on re- reconstruction or, or remodeling of a, of a, of a property. So yeah, you know, uh-huh. that, that can bias uh, the industry towards maybe demolishing a property rather than repairing it. So it would be interesting to see how much effect, if this proposal goes ahead, that actually has on you know, yeah. people's t- uptake of those businesses.
0: Um well yeah it's you know I was looking into it and it's you know it's not the kind of thing I spend um every evening doing <laughs> but I was reading you know on gov.uk an excellent website about <laughs> um yeah about the different um different charges of VAT for different services and it I learned that there are some forms of repair that are um z- that have that are charged zero okay. uh, VAT what which are which are for airplanes pla- and boats Oh wow and i thought wow um, <laughs> i don 't know anyone who owns a plane or a boat, um, but I know plenty of people that own appliances and gadgets and who could um could we could really uh de- you know deal with well the the growth of electronic waste in some ways mm-hmm. um it could you know and there 's been so much talk about um, the circular economy mm-hmm. but there 's actually been very little talk about kind of the central government levers to you know to t- to make to make us, uh, well, to to encourage us to to be as efficient as we'd like to be, basically, already. I mean,
1: I think apart from anything else, it sends a message about what the society values, doesn't it? You know, in terms of keeping things going rather than throwing them away and buying a new one. So, yeah, let's see how it plays out. It would be really interesting because it'll be an experiment that we can learn from and draw on.
0: Well, and and this brings us back to this precisely why we're talking about the repair Mm -hmm. economy is that, you know, it's tr- when we talk about um, we talk about using things for longer. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get people pushing back and telling us, "Well, you know, uh, you're you're a bunch of luddites who want, you want to destroy the economy." And it's like, well, actually, wait a minute. Where are the jobs? Who you know the, the jobs that were created by our linear throwaway model? Mm-hmm. Most of them are in manufacture, very far away, mm-hmm. and then in distribution. So we have mm-hmm. a couple of kind of courier jobs, I guess, involved in a couple warehouse jobs. But when we look at repair, I mean, this used to employ many, many more people, um, and it does both repair and potentially even... Mm -hmm. um, personalization mm-hmm. or or you know modding of of devices these are all areas where we can provide really local potentially um gratifying jobs mm-hmm. um, and I just think there's very not there's not very much discussion about that
1: yeah i mean this is one of the things that's come up in our research that we've found that certain types of repair shops are, are slowly disappearing you know t v and audio is you know those kinds of shops that you used to have you know one on every high street um you know they're still they're closing down. The, the guys who set them up in the 60s and 70s are maybe coming up to retirement, and you know there was one that closed recently in Romford that had been there for years. And uh, you know the, these are slowly disappearing because the the demand for them isn't there uh, anymore. Um, you know people get their, those things they buy a new one or they get them serviced by the manufacturer or whatever. So your local TV repair shop or audio repair shop is kind of dying slowly. And the, the skills and the uh, the labor, the, the jobs that go with that are, are going. Um, so that's kind of sad. But um, I don't know, the part of the, as we mentioned before, the part of the repair economy that does seem to be proliferating is, is mobile phone repair and laptop and PC repair. You know, there's popping up all over the place. There's a big demand, obviously. And so I guess the industry is changing.
0: Yeah, although if you think about um we, we very much concentrate on the impacts, the environmental impacts mm-hmm. of manufacture. Um, while there have been some efficiency gains in televisions over the years mm-hmm. in terms of energy use in the use phase, overall their footprint, their impact in manufacture is pretty big.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, so if we're just going to say, okay we're just going to have a completely throwaway model for these large screens, Mm -hmm. then I think we're somewhat missing a very important environmental problem. (laughs) Um, So it shouldn't necessarily all be about just um, kind of, I don't know, a a market-based, you know, kind of just... Mm -hmm what is it that we can make money off of we should look at why is it that we can well, that certain kinds of devices there's no economic model anymore and what what can we do and i think vat is one potential um potential mm-hmm. policy you know option but i think there are other ways in which these smaller businesses could be supported and i we, what we'd like to see is maybe a more like um networking between community repair uh schools let's say mm-hmm. maker spaces and small small enterprises mm-hmm. um what do you think could be done so you you said basically no small electrical uh appliance repair is 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 is, is left and if anyone's listening and knows of a great business in East London <laughs> please let us know
1: yeah i mean you still get the the sort of vacuum cleaner repair shops and you still get the appliance repair shops um, you know, it's a PC and, and laptop and, and, and smartphone, you know, those are those are doing well. Um, but in terms of what can be done, I mean, I think um, as well as price, you know, trust is a barrier. Um, people don't necessarily know which businesses to, to, to go to and who they can trust. And so that's why word of mouth is so important. Um, I don't, uh, Businesses, I think, need to do more to... You know, establish their credentials. You know, like um, making sure that they they care about their ratings and they get testimonials from customers and they actually do a good job, so that they get the, the 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 positive feedback that will bring customers back to them.
0: And I mean, it's funny because we we we're often told that this is the age of experience, mm-hmm. right? It's like mm-hmm. kind of the millennials, the YOLO, you know, kind of <laughs> like everyone wants to have great experiences. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what a small business does. It, it affords the opportunity for a unique human connection for you to you know instead of taking it back to the big box store where it disappears in this crazy yeah. you know system that you have no idea what's going on you can actually see the person who's gonna repair your machine you can meet them you could even potentially even have a peek
1: yeah I mean there, there are mm-hmm. some great examples like love phone you know is mm-hmm. the the one we we love to quote because uh, they do offer that kind of uh, experience and that kind of service um, but some of the the big high street names are really letting themselves down in terms of the customer service they offer. And, and, you know, we we, we won't be able to to list some of those big names in our uh, directory because of that. You know, they're getting one and a half out of 10 on Trustpilot and that kind of thing. You know, so we really can't recommend the service that that scores so poorly. But, uh, you know, the small local businesses, they have the potential there to offer that personal service. And I think, you know, where the big box stores fall down is the disconnect between the customer and the technician. So the technician is sitting in Milton Keynes or somewhere, um, you know, and they've got no connection with the customer who brought their PC into the store in Stratford or wherever it was. And, uh, you know, it gets lost in translation. So um, yeah. I think we're uh, a shop, a bit like, say, a bike shop or a car repair shop, where you can actually talk to the technician, you know, and actually uh, know that the work is being done on site. Um, you know that's when you can develop that 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 trust and that uh Engagement with how the repair process is going.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that it's almost like with the smaller businesses, it's just um, it's well, it's just a question mark. It's mm-hmm. like there, it's not it's not an act of distrust. It's mm-hmm. like we just don't know. We, we just don't, don't know, know about you. We don't. Whereas know. with the big box exactly. stores, there's an act of distrust. Like we do not <laughs> trust what they're doing. Exactly. They're cutting costs. They're manipulating us. You know. So that's that's a big opportunity as well.
1: But, I mean, in terms of. of What Restart could do, I don't know if there's talk about, you know, maybe developing some kind of Restart code for businesses Um, and, uh, you know, whether we could, you know, rate those businesses ourselves in some way. You know, it would be a lot of work for us, and I don't know how we'd fund yeah. it. But you know, <laughs>
0: we're a bit reticent to get into certification. Sure, yeah. But we would be interested in, yeah, just some principles that that uh, businesses could adhere to. And of which,
1: course, it's open yeah. for for the businesses to get involved with us. You know, they can come along to restart parties. They can offer their services as repairers, and uh, that is a great way for them to uh publicize their business get out out there you know understand the customers needs better and and you know i think um, they could they could uh, do a lot of themselves a lot of good. I mean, what if some of the big box stores sent down some of their technicians to our restart <laughs> parties? You know, would that be good for their corporate social responsibility? Yeah, I think yeah. so.
0: Well, especially with some of the phone stuff, which we really struggle to deal with <clears throat> yeah. at, at yeah. events.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: thanks for coming and talking to us, James. It's really fascinating. We may have you back to <laughs> to share the final final results. Okay. Um, you've been listening to Restart Radio on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM, and we have some upcoming. Restart parties on Saturday on both sides of London in East Ham and Rice Lip. Both start at noon, and we'd recommend that you get there early with your device with a battery or a plug for some help repairing or even some advice potentially to find a commercial repairer near you. You can find more about us on our website, therestartproject.org, or find us on Twitter or Facebook. And a thank you to Optonoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which is made with lasers, spinning plastic discs, and discard electronics. See you next week.